Well, we've been doing a series called Power and Presence because we believe that God wants to work in our church and in you with his power and his presence. And if you've been coming since the beginning of the year, some of you are getting excited about doing the stuff. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, God wants to do the stuff in us and through us, the stuff that we read about in the Bible. God wants to work in you and through you to do miracles, to like see people healed, to be able to do things that are supernatural and transrational. But before we can even get into future topics like the authority that we actually carry, the necessary worldview required to do this kind of work, before we can actually see the stuff, we need to get something figured out. And that's like how we hear from God. And this week as I was praying uh, sometimes I pray during the week. Uh, this week when I was praying about, you know, God, what is a good image uh, for us as we talk about what we're going to talk about today? And I felt like I got an image from God. And the image is this, is that God has given you his full authority to do everything that we read in the Bible. Everything. God has given that to you. He's given it to me. And the way he gives it to us is he lets us in on what he's doing. He communicates to us. And the image I got is that some of us need a phone, a connection to God, to know what he's up to and what he's doing in our world. And I want you to have that image of a phone in your mind. And as I was praying about, you know, God, what are you doing in this moment with, with this talk, with what we're reading in John 5 and John 15, I felt like God was saying that, like, first problem is that some of us don't understand that we have a phone. We're just kind of like existing with God, but we don't realize that there is an open communication system that is available to us. Some of us don't realize we have a phone. The second image I got was that the, the, some, some of the problem is that we, don't know, we know that we have a phone, but we don't know how to use it. Like we don't know how to connect using that phone. And then the third problem I felt that there could be for some of us is that some of us have not chosen to fully use the phone. Therefore, God has not entrusted us with a better phone. Like we barely use the phone we have, an analog phone, maybe a flip phone. And the image I got is like some of you are using a flip phone, but you don't really use it all the way. And that there's this iPhone that's awaiting you. There is a better way that God wants to communicate to you. And this is, gets to the source of doing the stuff. You want to see miracles. You want to see things happen in the lives of your friends. You want to see people that are going through a really hard time come into life with Jesus. And there's a way to do that with a sense of power and purpose. That it isn't just done with having a better argument and knowing your Bible, but God's power wants to come into the moment and give you what you need to push out the enemy and to bring restoration in that moment with that person. But in order to do that, we need to learn to hear better. And the way we get a sense of that is in some of the verses that we just read. In John chapter 5, I just read it, it says, Jesus can only see what the Father is doing. Now, what do we see here? Well, obviously, like, Jesus had limited power. He didn't see and hear everything. He only did what he saw the Father doing. And I think this is really important because I need to remind myself that God the Father is at the center of his mission. It's not me. This is not about me. It's not about me praying, you know, okay, God, I'm going to go do some stuff. Will you bless whatever I'm doing? God is doing stuff in the world. 
And it's up to me and God revealing to me how do I figure out what he's up to in the world and I, how do I join him in his work. And the third thing you see here is that God the Father shows Jesus what he's up to because he loves the Son, because he wants relationship with the Son, because he wants to be connected with the Son. And that's, that's true for me and that's true for you too. The reason God is doing stuff in the world and the reason we get to join up with what he's doing isn't because of some weird reason. It's because he loves us. He wants to have relationship with us. And in the second, second verses that we just read, it says, Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. I love this. Thanks for reading that, by the way, Marie. I love this because what we learn is, is that you and I don't make fruit. We don't produce things. We don't make good things with our lives on our own. God does those things through us as we stay connected to him. Do you ever get the sense when you read these verses that fruit is a byproduct of being connected to the vine? And in the same way, you do not have the ability to do anything really all that great with your life. Sorry. But what God says, God's word says, is as you stay connected to Jesus, who is the vine, your life automatically, without trying, produces fruit, produces good things. You start to see people changed in your life, and you might even see a miracle. So then what is it that we do if God is the one who's at work in the world, and our connectedness to God is the thing that actually helps us to see those good things in our lives? How do we actually do this? And so I just want to briefly talk about it. How does God work in the world? How does God communicate to us? If we want to improve our phone, how do we know this? Well, in the Bible, God does about four or five things consistently. I'm going to talk about those right now. The first one is prayer. God speaks through prayer. Uh, if you want to learn how to pray, uh, you should follow the model of Jesus. In the Bible in Matthew, there's the Lord's Prayer. It shows us how to pray. There's a lot of intimacy. There's a lot of connection. Ask God for what you need. Pray that God's kingdom would come. But also, there's another kind of prayer which is listening prayer. And listening prayer is different than jibba-jabba prayer. Jibba-jabba prayer is you shoot up all your requests to God. God, please help me meet the man of my dreams. God, please help me get a promotion at work. God, I need this. God, please, can I do this? Help me become a success. Help me win the lottery. All the things, all the things we want to say to God, God, please do this and that and the other. Uh, that's, that's good. We should tell God everything that we want and everything that we think we need and everything that we see in the world that's not working for us. But there's also another kind of prayer. And this is the kind of prayer where we pause our minds and we stop and we wait and we see what God says to us or how God speaks to us. And the way to get better at this, the way to get improve what you're hearing is to start writing things down. This is what I recommend. If you're going about your day and you're thinking about someone give me a topic, anything besides God stuff. Give me any human topic. Uh, groceries and football, like you're doing both. I'll combine those two. You're like going to the grocery store to buy stuff to make a buffalo dip for the big football game. And you're like, mm, I got to get the Frank's Red Hot. I don't know. <laughs> and you're like, I hope my team wins. I hope they don't lose. <laughs> and you're thinking about something. And then all of a sudden you think about that one person at church that, you know, maybe I should give them a call. Um, maybe they're going through a hard time. And you're like, well, that's weird. I was thinking about my football team and Frank's Red Hot. And then all of a sudden, 
I need to give Patrick a call. Maybe I should just, well, what do I do? Oh, that's probably nothing. I'm probably just a crazy person. Maybe you might be a crazy person, or you actually might be like, those, that, those might be promptings from, the, from God, from the Lord. So how do we know? How do we determine if they are? Well, one of the ways I use, and it's been helpful for me, and I'm no expert. I'm on the journey with you. Um, one of the ways I try to write those things down on my notes, on my phone. I have an iPhone, so I have iNotes. And I put them in there, and then what I do is I follow up on whatever it is. Uh, as I expressed earlier, one time I thought maybe I had a prophetic word for, um, for Michael Bear's back. That's, he's had chronic pain and it had something to do with a boat or a catamaran. He's like, absolutely not. And I'm like, okay, sorry, but I love you. And uh, he forgave me. But so uh, you try things, and sometimes it is, and sometimes it isn't. And then other times you call someone, you're like, hey, how are you doing? And you know, I'm so glad you called. I'm going through a really hard time. My wife just lost her job. Da, 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 da. Like that happens. You're like, well, that's a coincidence. Well, that's a coincidence. So the way we improve, the way we can hear when we pray, when we're doing listening prayer, is we write down those thoughts that are kind of like against the grain of what you were already thinking. And then you go follow up on them and you see what happens. Um, and so I have to ask you, uh, th- you know, do you do that? Um, hopefully you do. If you don't, start doing that. Everyone here has a phone. Uh, you can leave, you can take notes on there, and you can start to follow up on those things. And what I have found is, even when I'm wrong, following up on all those promptings, those light promptings, has led to way more adventure throughout my week. Way more interesting things happen, and I see way more coincidences. So try it. Try it for a week and see how that goes for you. Um, the other thing about prayer, um, the way God speaks is, you know, we've got to practice it and we've got to pray for people on a regular basis. So if you wanted to see people healed, I would need to ask you, how many people per week do you pray for for healing? Now, if your answer is zero prayers per week for someone that you want to see healed, or if you see someone, uh, you know, um, just that has crutches and they feel like you should pray for them, if you decide not to pray for them, if you pray for zero people per week, then you will have zero opportunity to see God work. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? So if you want your numbers to go up, you have to go out there and you have to shoot. You have to shoot your shot. And what I will tell you is that you will miss most of your shots. And it will suck. Uh, and you will feel embarrassed. It will especially feel embarrassed if you pray for someone that you don't know that you see on the street. And uh, especially if it's not having to do with someone's physical healing. Like, I just felt like I should pray for you about your mom. And they'll be like, hey, don't talk to me about my mom. Like, it can be very awkward. Your risk and your vulnerability will be very high. And your success rate could be very low. But what we find is the more times we pray, the more chances we take, the more coincidences we see the more we see miracles start to happen, the more we see God break through. There's a book I read. It's about art. It was okay. But there was this one illustration in it that was pretty cool. And it was about uh, this class. And there was a teacher that led a sculpting class. You guys know what sculpting is? Uh, I do it every week in the gym. So you're sculpting, you know, you're making your sculpture class. And the teacher... Uh, said, I'm going to uh, grade you uh, based on uh, one of two criteria. You can pick which way you want to be graded. The first way you can be graded is if you, um, if you want, 
for the whole semester, you only have to make one piece of art, and I will grade you on that one piece of art. This, and so all you have to do, one piece. You can you know, make whatever you want, one piece of art, and I will judge you on it. The second group is uh, you will get, be graded on uh, pounds, pounds of art. So if you do X amount of pounds, that's an A. X amount, of, uh, you know, a certain amount of pounds, that's a B, C, D, and F, and so on. And so the people in the class, the students in the class could pick whether they were in group one or group two, whether they were the perfect sculpture uh, or they were the pound sculpture. And what this professor found, this teacher found, was at the end of the semester, the people that made the one sculpture did pretty good. But what he actually found is the people that chose to be measured by the pounds of sculpture that they did actually made better art uh, than the group that just did the one sculpture. And the reason they made better art is they were constantly moving through, constantly making new pieces, constantly taking risks, which led to greater rewards and greater breakthrough and greater artistic development. It was the repetition that led to them making better art. And sometimes I think about that in the way we pray and the way we think about our prayer life and what God wants to communicate to us. Maybe oftentimes it's not just trying to get the perfect prayer out or waiting for the absolute time where you need God to come through at the final moment. Oh, Lord, if you get me through this, like that's the moment. What if it's just about doing it every day, getting up? And praying, after you get up out of bed and you brush your teeth and you make a cup of coffee, maybe your walk with God is left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot. And maybe it's not spectacular from day to day, but maybe there's something about taking risks, a little risk here, a little risk there, maybe writing down the things that you're hearing from God on a regular basis that over time, all of a sudden, wow, there's a regular stream of people coming to life in Jesus, people getting saved as you pray with them, or people getting healed as you pray for them, or you're starting to get words for people that change their life because you've improved the way you pray. So maybe, maybe it's more about repetition uh, and practicing. So that's one of the ways that God speaks to us, and that's what Jesus did. All right, are, we, are you still with me? I still have a, a bunch of material to get through in like a few minutes. Are, are we with me? Good, I got the thumbs up. All right, cool. So the second way that God is generally speaks is, oh, the first way was prayer. If you're taking notes, the second one is the Bible. God speaks through the Bible. And when we talk about the Holy Spirit speaking to us, what we know is that the Holy Spirit will never say anything to us in our minds and in our hearts and through prayer, that is contrary to Scripture. That everything that God has already revealed to us in the Bible is an example of what we can and could and should experience in our own personal lives. So, for instance, God is never going to lead. As you're like praying and you're walking to the grocery store and you've got your Frank's Red Hot and you're thinking about the game and everything is awesome, God is never going to prompt you to throw, I don't know, your shopping cart at another person. He's not going to lead you. I just felt led to get in a fist fight with someone at the grocery store. Because God is not, why? Because then you start to think of the greater context of the Bible. God is not a God that desires that kind of violence. He seeks peace, and he wants us to be restored and connected to all people. So, like, there's, there's a guarding, undergirded foundation that we have in the Bible. The Bible helps us to know what's from God and what's not from God. Now, the 
issue isn't so much that we're going to go off and punch someone in the grocery store. The issue is, have you read the Bible? You know how much stuff happens in there? Like Moses parts an ocean. Uh, Peter was like, I saw Jesus do this once. Give me a minute. And Peter goes up to the upper room, finds a dead girl, and he's like, hey, wake up. And she's like, oh, no problem. I'm back. Like, that's more the problem. The problem is, is in the Bible, there's some wild stuff. We just don't really practice those things. Um, and so in the Bible, um, you know, we also see that God speaks to us through Scripture. So the more you study Scripture, the more coincidence... I'm moving to avoid the sunlight, by the way. I, I know you can see me dodging, you know, and it's super helpful. I could get down in here. So, like, one of the things that um, we see in Scripture when we start to learn Scripture and we start to memorize Scripture is that, like, it's strange how scripture that we've memorized or learned comes back to us right at the moment that we need it. It's weird how that works. Has that ever happened to you? Where like you're in a moment and all of a sudden a Bible verse that you haven't thought about in years comes to your mind and you're like, well, what's that? What I would contend is that the Spirit works through the Bible and reminds you of that in that moment. I think of this past week. You know, um, there's some tough stuff that happened this week. And I think about that. And it, I felt hurt. And I was like, in this moment with this person, like I was tempted to overfunction. And what do I mean by overfunction? I mean retaliate. <laughs> and I can, I'm good at it. I can retaliate and I can manipulate. And I can just spin the situation enough to get what I want. I would call it light revenge. I would call it like a pastor's version of revenge. And I was thinking about what I could do when I, this person did this. And everyone I talked to thought I was right about the handling of the thing. with the, And I was just mad. And I was tempted to fight my own battle. And I, I tell you, early in the week, I'm like, Lord, I think this is not the right thing for me to do. And then I felt like, I felt like the word of the Lord. I was reminded of in Deuteronomy and in the Psalms and in the Proverbs where God's word, God, the scriptures say, I will fight the battles for you. You don't have to fight. Rest in me. Draw near to me. I will fight your battles for you. And I talked to Nikki about it. And we're like, yeah, we both agree we're not going to fight this battle. We threw up our hands. We threw our white flag. And we go, we're not going to do it. We're not going to respond. We're not going to jump in and say the thing we deserve to say. We're not going to do the thing that we know we're allowed to do. We're going to allow God to fight our battles for us. And I got to tell you, that's hard because sometimes I want to take it back. I can make it happen, right? But God's word came to me. I e do you? And it felt like God was saying to me through the scripture that came to my mind. It's like, do you trust me? Do you trust that I will fight your battles for you? Do you trust that I have a bigger perspective on what's going on here, Chris? And I was like, I think I do. And so out of faith, I had to, like, not fight the battle. When we spend time in the Scriptures, when we learn them, when we learn to fall in love with the God of the Scriptures, you will be reminded of these Scriptures. Not only does it serve of a foundation and protection for us to do things that may not be from God, but also, also, we will learn things and be reminded of them, those Scriptures, when we need them. There's so much revealed wisdom in the Bible that sometimes we forget about. 
Who should I date? Why should I date? What do I think about marriage? Am I just out here to have a good time? The Bible has answers to that. How should I handle my money? Should I give my money away? How much money should I spend? How much debt should I go into on a credit card? Well, the Bible doesn't use credit cards, but the Bible has wisdom that helps us to know what to do with our money. What is God doing with people in my city? Well, the Bible has answers to that. When I look around, there's so much injustice. There's injustice, there's, in, in, uh, there's discrimination. There's a fever pitch of anger that's connected to what's happened politically and what's happening psychologically and what's happening with COVID-19. And it's a big mess and I'm really worried what's going to happen. Uh, what, how do I participate personally in bringing justice and mercy into this? Well, the Bible has revealed wisdom about that. We're not here on our own with our best guess. There is wisdom from on high that has been given to us. And the question is, do we know it? Do we spend time learning it? And more importantly, as we come to know it, are we then inspired then to turn to the God who gave it to us? So, who's taking notes? Don't, don't, I don't want to know the answer to that. Uh, prayer. There's prayer. And there's the Bible. The third way that God generally speaks to us by the power of his spirit is the church. The church. What we see throughout the last 2,000 years of church history is that the church has been given to us. It's a community. And the Bible says is that God's spirit comes and lives in the community. And there's something about uh, the community that is essential for every Christian. You may think, uh, I'm not going to put that on you, some people think that you can live the Christian life alone, that it's just me and Jesus. But what the Bible shows us and what the history of any Christian that's ever done anything meaningful shows us is that we have to be connected to other Christians. There's something about the community and the accountability of being in relationship where you say things to me that I was unaware of about my life and about my sin and about my shortcomings. You have an edge here, Chris. And I feel, and not in a spiteful way, I feel, Chris, that you need to address this thing in your life. And I go, thank you for sharing me. Now it's my turn. Here's what I see. There's something about the Christian community that helps us see things about ourselves there's something about the Christian community. Well, I don't know why God has decided to use this field of dreams or why God uses community groups, uh, but sometimes God speaks to me about you, about things I would never know before. He gives me ideas about you. Say, hey, you need to forgive your mom. You're like, how did you know that? And I go, I don't know. I don't know about the messages. I just give them. And some of you need to forgive your mother today, and I don't know what that's about. But like, I, you get that insight. You get that insight that's special because God chooses to give it to us. God speaks to the collective church to know what we're supposed to do. And this is really important. This is why, I mean, you guys are here at 10 a.m., wonderful. Oh, it's 11 now. Um, you can just leave it down. The wind only starts, what I call the Spirit of God, starts at 10, and it actually ends at 11.30. Just let that sign fall. Um, <laughs> um, what in the world was I just saying? <laughs> like watching these people almost get hit by signs. Uh, anyway, you know, you guys are here at 10 a.m. 
Um, it's a sign. Wrap it up. <laughs> yeah, signs and wonders falling on Lisa's head. Uh, <laughs> all right, we'll have to cut that out in editing. Uh, you're here at 10 a.m. Now it's 11. You're showing up. That's important. That's important. That's important because God wants to do something uh, for the person next to you through you. And God has me up here, and I'm just supposed to stir the pot a little bit, but really this is about us. That's why being here is important because God chooses to do something in this group uh, more than if we were just on our own, sitting in our apartments doing whatever, or our homes, our massive mansions that we have. Uh, this is why joining a community group is important. Nikki's uh, new women's group on leadership, love it. This is important. There's something that will happen in that group that will transpire where God will release words of knowledge and empower women to go and do things that they never thought they could do before because they're a part of a group, because they're a part of connection to other Christians in a group together. That wasn't going to happen if you were just sitting there by yourself, reading the book by yourself. Maybe it could happen. I always believe that God could make that happen, but not always. God uses community. You know, and then God uses community to... Um, for us to take risks, risk-free risks in a safe space. Has anyone ever heard the term safe space before? Yeah, it's popular. But this is a safe space for us to go, I think God might be saying this. And in this room, because of what we believe about the Bible, where we show people kindness, we show people grace, this is the room that's supposed to not boo you if you get it wrong, right? So like, does that make sense? So like, we have the operation of the biblical thing. And then if you're trying, well, I feel like God is leading me to pray for someone with this kind of issue. I would love to, and no one raises their hand. We don't all go, okay, boo. We don't boo you if you get it wrong. This is the place to practice. A place, it's a risk-free place to practice what you think God might be saying to you. The question I have for you is I keep asking you, are you going to take risks? You have to decide if you're going to take those risks. And a risk never gets any less risky, just so you know. By definition, risks are risky. So if you go, if you see the other person, should I pray for this person about the thing, or should I talk to them about the thing, or invite them out, there will always be the risk. It will never go away. Uh, last way, for the thousands that are taking notes, prayer, right? We have Bible, we have the church, and we have, any guesses? Nope, not going to let you do it. The last one is circumstances circumstances. Throughout the scriptures, we know that circumstances are a guide for people to know what God is up to, where the Father is working and where he's not working. Circumstances, our life situation, guides us to know, God, are you in this or are you not in this? I think about uh, what led to our journey to start this church. Um, we were living happily, uh, not so happily. We were, we were happily married, but we didn't want to be out of Ohio. We knew that. Um, and um, a, a church down the street, great church, uh, actually offered, you know, we had taken some trips here, but this church offered me a job. They were like, why don't you come work for us for a little bit, and then maybe you can plant a church in a few years. And I go, yeah, that sounds good. I'll live in Santa Monica. You're, okay, you immediately are trying to figure out the church. Um, and I'll go, yeah, I'll work for this church for a little bit, and then maybe I'll plant a church, maybe I won't. I just love working for a church planter. So I accepted the offer. And then, um, uh, so as soon as I accepted the offer, Nikki goes, well, I'd like to work, you know? 
So let me go apply for a few jobs in LA and see what happens. And um, so she did. So she applied to four jobs. And in the meantime, this lead pastor came back to me and said, hey, uh, psych, uh, we don't think you're a good fit for the team because of you. Uh, <laughs> they didn't say it like that, but they basically did. And uh, I had to really work through that. Then they go, we're rescinding the offer. And I was like, oh, no, I wanted to move to LA. But in that moment, like we had Nikki's four uh, uh, applications out there. We're like, well, we'll just see what happens. We'll let circumstance, time and circumstances reveal. Uh, and uh, so what happened? Maybe some of you know the story. We got four offers. We got four out of four offers. I applied to four places. We got four offers. And we go, okay, God. Um, and the offers didn't come in all on the same day. The offers came in over time. And the first two offers were low, financially low. Like, um, well, I didn't like them. And as a, as a real house husband of Franklin County, I needed, I like the finer things. And I knew, I knew what I needed. <laughs> and I'm your biggest fan. And I was like, and I was like, oh no. And, and you were like, no, no, we can't do that. And so even before we had the final offers from the other companies, we said no to these ones. And it felt like we were stepping out in faith. And uh, finally, we got to the Johnson & Johnson. They're a pharmaceutical company. We got, we got to the Johnson & Johnson, and we're like, okay, let's do that. Let's just move forward. And then we moved here, and then, you know, we bounced around trying to figure out, um, Lord, are you leading us to plant the church? Because we have this cool opportunity. And within a year, like, all these circumstances around, like, you should do it. Here's a bunch of money to do it. Um, here's some people that are going to support you. Uh, this is where the great one himself, the winner of the Price is Right, Patrick Vukovic, came in. And he was like, you should do this. And like all these things started to align. Things that I could have never seen in the scripture. Uh, I don't open my Bible and say, Chris needs to move to Santa Monica. I don't see that. But what we see is that the Bible is always leading people to do things that they didn't expect they could do. And he's using prayer Okay, God, as we pray about this, I feel like, God, we're supposed to do this. He's using the church, the friends we had around us in Columbus were like, you should go do this. And then he's using circumstances to open those things. Circumstances are a great way for it to help you determine. If you really want to date that person, but they have blocked you on all the social media stuff, this is a huge circumstantial indicator that God might not be leading you to be with that person. Not you. You're doing. You're the ones doing the blocking. I'm sure. Anyway, uh, so I also think in certain terms of circumstances, uh, the one of our good friends. His name is Jay Pathak. He started Mile High Vineyard about 20 years ago. He's my age. He came out of the womb, planted a church, um, and uh, one of the things before he moved from Columbus to to Denver, um, he went and had some trips and visit some place he felt like God might be leading him and his wife to move to Denver. The short of it is, he was like, God, I need, um, uh, this is, I need more signs. I need more circumstantial signs. And I always laugh at, I'm not going to give you all the, we don't have time, but like one of the signs, because they, they felt like they were maybe supposed to move to Arvada Vineyard. It's a, Arvada Vineyard is the name of the church at the time. Arvada, Colorado was the name of the suburb they felt like they were supposed to go to. And they were like, kind of like, oh, I don't, Lord, is this you? And uh, he used to work at a call center, inbound call center in Ohio. And then there's this moment where like, for like 
um, for like a day or two days, every inbound call for that, for that whatever it was, some sort of product or service they were selling, every inbound call was from Arvada, Colorado, like something like 20 in a row. And he was like, really started to get emotional. He was like crying with people on the phone. And then he finally goes to the boss. I'm like, hey, are we on some sort of special kick or routing where we're only reaching people to Arvada? And they like indicated that there was nothing. Yeah, there was no kind of, there was no, there was nothing. They were pulling, the, the rest of the team was pulling calls from the entire country. But Jay Pathak, the guy that felt that he should move to Arvada, Colorado, sat there and took calls for almost two days just from Arvada, Colorado. And what that ended up being was a, and one of the many signs that you just can't orchestrate. You just can't figure that out on your own. And yeah, there could have been some sort of massive coincidence. Um, you know, I'm not good with math, but um, that's like a math, and I don't understand computer science, but that's like a massive coincidence. But the result of that is that we're talking about thousands of people that had no idea who Jesus was, they have now come into life with Jesus. We're talking about hundreds of people that were sick and not well in their bodies that were healed. We're talking about lives changed. And we're talking about a guy that believed in planting churches there and across the country so much so that he, like, they're, they're, they helped us tremendously plant this church. So I don't know if it was a coincidence or not. I don't know. But those circumstances certainly lined up to be something. Circumstances. So you got them all? You got them all? You you ready to go? Now, here's the issue, and then we're going to wrap up because uh, Chipotle. But, um, you know, um, that's how God reveals himself. Through prayer, the Bible, through the church and circumstances. And he does this so that he can show us things that we didn't see before. He's going to show us what he's up to in the world. But the problem is for you is this. No matter how much you look through the Scripture, you will not find any example where God reveals Himself through prayer, the Bible, the church, or circumstances that doesn't require you to have to step out in faith and take a risk. Nowhere. You will be required to take a step of personal obedience to align with that thing that God reveals to you. And when you start hanging around the living God, it can be a little frightening. Because God will force you, not force you, but God will bring to your mind an option of whether or not you're going to take a risk and do something. And this is hard for us as Westerners who are very comfortable, Westerners, Americans who think that everything should be easy, Everything with God should be easy because he loves us, but that's not true. Everywhere we see in the scriptures, the reason God reveals himself to us in all these different ways, and as we improve how we hear from God, the reason he does that is because he's stretching you, and he wants to grow you, and he's not satisfied with you staying the way you are. He wants you to get better at life, and he wants you to become more like him. And as we discern what God is up to, as you improve how you pray, 
as you improve how you read the Bible, as you improve how you give words and hear things from people in a church community, and as you are better at discerning your circumstances, you will learn to know God's voice in a more powerful way, and you will always, always, in that moment when God speaks to you about whatever it is, it will lead you to a crisis of faith. And this crisis of faith will require you to have to now do something that you didn't expect you had to do and you don't know what the outcome is going to be and it's going to suck. It's going to suck for you because you're going to have to say no to things that you think you wanted. And you're going to have to say yes to different things. And you're going to have to open yourself up to things that you didn't expect to open yourself up to. And you're going to have to change the way you are and you're not going to know what happens on the other side. The impression I get is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade when he's on the third thing, under the thing with the thing, and he has to stay, take his foot and he has to step out and he has to see if he gets caught. Does anyone remember? Is, do I need to re, redo that illustration? I mean, we all know Harrison Ford. Okay, so he steps out and he can't see, but really it was like this, uh, I don't know, whatever. It's like a bridge. But like you couldn't see the bridge because it was painted like to look like the thing with the thing. And like, but in that moment, he has to step out. And in the same way, once you know what God is revealing to you, like you're going to have to step out. And you're not going to know if you're going to get caught or you're going to fall through the cracks and you're going to die. You don't know what's going to happen. But what do we know from Scripture? That it's all the stories we read. Everything we read and all the Christians in your life that you actually admire all have to do this over and over and over and over and over again. All the people you love in the Bible and all the interesting people in your life, they all have to step out in faith. And the solution is this. When you step out, when you see what God's up to in the world, and when you choose to step out, it will always be hard. It will always be risky. It will always require something of you that you didn't think you could do and you can't do. You're going to have to step out. You're going to have to take that risk. And when you do, and until you do, you won't see the solution, which is God catches you, that God is there with you, that God comes in in a moment and his, he gives you an experience of himself that you didn't expect and the reason he makes you do that is because he's growing your faith. When we talk about how do you grow your faith, it requires you to take a step out. And what happens after you step out, you see that God catches you, that God comes through, that God does something that you didn't expect. And then, you, then you're excited. Then you grow. Then the next time around, you have more faith because you've seen God do this before. And I got to tell you, this is the only way... You're going to grow and get to the place in your spiritual life where you can actually start to see the stuff. You want to see the miracles. You want to pray for people and you want them to get well. You want to have insight into their life about what's going on with their life, not because you can manipulate them, but because you want the, what's best for them. That, that is the fruit. That is like the, the, the success that comes from taking the baby steps now. It comes from taking the small steps now that can lead to the thing where God knows that he can trust you with those people and reveal more things to you. And so here's what this means. Here's what this means. Some of you want to do the stuff. I've been talking about it. You want to do it. I want to do more of it. And I really think it comes down to three things, three levels of risk. First, there's risk 101. Risk 101. 
Risk 101, and uh, some of you are going to hate this. I'm so sorry I have to do this. But Risk 101 is, not, is you're not doing what the Bible says not to do, and you're not avoiding sin. If you want to start with a risk, some of you need to read the Bible and go, well, that's a clear area where my life doesn't add up with what the Bible says. I need to stop doing that. And some of you want all the fun stuff. You want to pray for someone who's sick and see them better. But do you see how God might not be very interested in trusting you with that if you can't do what you already know you're supposed to do? And believe me, guys and girls, I'm preaching to myself here, not just you. But, there, but God wants you to not do the things that are harming you before he can trust you with some of the things that will, not help, that will help others not harm themselves or to remove the enemy from someone's life. Do you understand? Risk on a one for you could be, in fact, listen, I need to stop this. I need to climb down the wrong ladder that I've been on. I've been climbing up the wrong ladder. It could be a relationship. It could be something personal. I'm not going to dive into it. But sometimes risk 101 means we got to stop doing the thing we know we're not supposed to do. And I know that can be hard for some of you to hear. Risk 201 would be I think I need to start doing some of the things that I see in the Bible. See, God's word reveals to us, should I be kind or mean to my neighbor? Should I love my neighbor as myself or should I love myself as myself and hate my neighbor? Like we, there's things that we read in the Bible that have already been revealed to us, the things that we should do. Should we put others' needs above our own or put our own needs first? We don't need a special revelation and circumstances to know that if we're aligned with Jesus, who loves us more than anything, that we should change the way we think about our lives and put others' needs above our own. So risk 101 is stop doing the things you know you're not supposed to do. Risk 201 would be starting to do the things we know we're supposed to do as God leads us, as, we've, as they are revealed in Scripture. And risk 301 would be starting to do the things that we feel prompted to do by the Spirit. And I talked about that. Sometimes there's going to be things that come into your mind that you didn't expect. Start to follow up on those things. And as you take those baby little steps, you're literally Indiana Jones. You're putting your foot out. And you're saying, I'm going to step out and see what happens. I'm going to step out and see what happens. And what we need to do collectively is we all need to start taking those little steps. Those little steps forward so that we can grow in our confidence and we can take a bigger risk and a bigger risk. So we can start to see the things that we know God wants to do in us. But we've got to, some of us really just need to recalibrate and get back into a, a, a season of faithfulness to the things we know we're supposed to do while we're doing that. But the good news is, you know, you have all three of those courses, 101, 201, 301. You can audit all three of those courses at once. Did you know that? Like, you, they're not, you don't have to do a sequential. It doesn't have to be sequential. Like, you can stop doing the stuff you know you're supposed to stop doing, and you can start taking risks with the promptings. You can do both now. We can do both now. We can move towards that. And, you know, I would just say this. I'm just so glad that we serve a God that showed us the ultimate risk. And Jesus coming to earth, we killed him. We killed him, showing us the ultimate, he showed us the ultimate risk and ultimately showed us the ultimate expression of love. And just keep that in mind as we move towards this. And I want to encourage you, like, I don't know what your first step is today, 
Uh, but if you want to improve hearing from God, if you want to grow the phone that you have, start paying attention to what you do know God might be leading you to do. And let's go from there. Um, why don't we all stand?